so good to have you here today. We started last week on Monday, and last Sunday night had a kickoff service with communion that was so beautiful. We started 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, if you've been joining us on the journey, thank you for coming with us. Uh, maybe today's your first day at Kingwood, or maybe you've been gone for a few weeks and your first day back. I want to encourage you, if you haven't picked up a devotional yet, to do that today. Uh, it doesn't matter if you missed the first week. You know, tomorrow's a new day. So start with us tomorrow. Pick up the devotional. Uh, you can get those at the Welcome Center on your way out today. You can find them on our website, uh, also on our mobile app. We've got them nearly everywhere. So if you need one, you can get it. But I want to encourage you to keep walking with us in this journey. Uh, tonight, we will have Soak Service, which is our monthly time of worship and prayer. Uh, we do that, do, do a once-a-month service with the whole church. We all come together. But I want to ask specifically for all of those uh, of you who are leaders in our church, I'm, I want to ask you to make a special effort to be here because we're going to have, a, during soak, we'll do normal soak, but in the middle we're going to have a, a time of prayer for you to commission you. We want this year to be the best year of ministry you've ever had. We want it to be the most fruitful and the most impactful and the most life-changing to you and through you. So join us tonight. We, we want to have a special time uh, of prayer for you. I hope that your fast is going well. This morning I was out on a prayer walk and apparently somebody had the window open because they were frying bacon. <laughs> By the way, I'm fasting bacon. That's all I'm fasting, just bacon. Or at least that's how it felt in that moment. Uh, but you know... Hey, that's a sacrifice. How many of you know you fast bacon? That's a sacrifice, right? That's, that's a big deal. A amen. In the South, everybody said amen. Uh, but no, I'm, my fast is a little broader than that. But whatever you're fasting, I hope your fast is going well. Um, if you don't have an info guide, uh, our ushers are coming now, and they're going to give you one if you just wave at one of our ushers as they pass you. I want to encourage you to get these every week, whether you've been here a week or 10 years, because um, there's always going to be information in the info guide uh, that is helpful to you. And on the bottom, the tear-off, uh, the back will change nearly every week. And there's always going to be something that you can engage in if you have the info guide, and I'll, I'll show you how that will work uh, later today. How many of you would say in the last five years you've been to a sporting event, not, not professional, not college, but like you know high school, junior high, um, you know, with grandkids, with kids, with whatever. How, how many of you have been to a, okay, great, you're going to totally get this. All right, good. Uh, how many of you are aware that sports fans can be completely unreasonable? Are you, are you there? Okay. Uh, here's kind of how it happens. If you've been to a sporting event and one set of fans gets the idea that the referees are against their team, if they believe that, Go ahead and get your car keys and head to the car because it's going to get ugly, right? Uh, if that set of fans believes that these referees are against our team and they're calling it one-sided, man, we like justice when it comes to refereeing, you know? We want it fair. We want it right down the line. And, and otherwise intelligent and reasonable and patient people can completely lose their mind in that environment and act the way they would not act at any other time. Once they believe the referees are against them, they interpret everything through that lens and they start to challenge every call. Have you seen this? That was out of bounds. That was out of bounds. You know, the ball could have been 10 feet in bounds, but they're going to scream, that was out of bounds. It was out of bounds. Why? Because they're convinced the referees are against them and now it's not even about whether the call's right or wrong. It's that the referees are against us, so we're against them. Now it's about winning. And now it's about everything the referees do is wrong because that is my filter, that's my perspective. Reality has nothing to do with it anymore. I've become inoculated to the truth because I'm convinced that those referees are, are going for the other team. And, now, and so, you know, I found myself at times in that moment going, foul, foul. And they go, I know that wasn't a foul. Why do you foul? Because I'm against them. Well, Sometimes it can feel that way when pastors talk about giving. If you believe that all churches want is your money, and if you believe that God doesn't care about your finances, that you have to work it out all by yourself, 
uh, then you're going to tend to hear all talk about giving while you're at church through that lens. And I just want to offer this today. Is it possible that you can inoculate yourself to the truth because you, 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 you have adopted a filter that filters out the reality that maybe God wants you to see? So if you're a guest today, uh, you can zone out for about welcome you back in a minute. So this morning, uh, I just want to make, uh, because nothing can penetrate that filter, so I just want to try to make giving very uh, simple today. So I'm going to give you, the, and I, don't, I hope you can see this everywhere in the building, but I'm going to give you the ABCs um, of giving, okay? I'm going to give you the ABCs of giving. Uh, no, I, no, I got these guys wrong, sorry. Hold on, hold on. This isn't really my deal. All right. Uh, but, I, but I want you to see it's the reason I'm putting it here. Okay, so you have a guy named Bob, yeah, all right, and a guy named Mike, yes, we do, and, and, and two punchlines, okay? So here we go. Here's the two, or, or the ABCs of giving. There's ABCs, giving, math, God, Bob, Mike, two punchlines. Here we go. Now, um, God asked every Christian to give the first 10% of everything they make to their local church. And the reason he does that is because it is an act of faith and it is an act of priority. You are saying when you do that, God, I put you first in every area of my life and here is the proof. And it is at the same time the way God uses to resource all of his work on earth. So uh, when the tithing talk comes, uh, you, you have a guy named Bob. Uh, Bob's a good guy. He's a Christian. He's going to go to heaven when he dies. Pays his taxes. He's honest. He doesn't try to cheat or mistreat anybody. He tries to raise his kids, be a good husband. Uh, and, and Bob, if you're a Bob, it's not you. It's a fictitious, not a real Bob. So uh, Bob comes to church, and when we sing, he sings, and he says, Yes, God, yes, yes, I'm, I, I love you. I, I love you. I'm, I want to be everything you want to be. He lifts his hands. He, he worships. But then you get to the point on giving, and he says, uh, But that's, I, don't, I don't engage in that part. And, and so, so Bob sort of stops there because Bob says, look, I've done the math. I figured it out. A is where I'm at. B is where I need to be. So that's retirement. That's the end of my life. That's raising my kids. That's putting my kids through college. Like, I've done the math. And the math says I need 100% of everything I'm going to earn to get from A to B. That's what the math says. So that's why that I don't give because I've got to get to B, and I've done the math, and I've figured out, and math doesn't lie. Now, on the other hand, you have a guy named Mike who sits, you know, right behind Bob. And he's the same kind of guy. He's a good guy, pays his taxes, doesn't mistreat anybody, you know, comes to church most of the time, lifts his hands in worship. But, but Mike's got a slightly different thing. He goes, look, I've got to get to A to B, too. I've got to pay my bills. I've got to raise my kids. I've got to get them to college. I've got to, I've got to do all this stuff. I, I've got to get to retirement. I've got to fulfill that. But... Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the first 10% of everything that I make and I'm going to give it to God because I trust that he can take the 90% and get me to be better than I can with the 100%. So I'm not going to trust math. I'm going to trust God. So it's, a different, it's a different idea altogether. Then what Mike does, though, is Mike does something Bob never does. Mike gets to be one day, and he actually gets to see even before that. You know what C is? C is the place where the supernatural provision of God comes into account in your life. That's when appliances like last 10 years pass their warranty. How many of you know that's a miracle? Yes, that's a miracle. It's where cars don't wear out when they're supposed to. It's where money shows up that you didn't know was coming. It's where a job offer comes that you didn't expect. It's where doors open that you didn't think would open. Because the supernatural work of God is in your life because you trust God and not math. So it's a completely different arrangement. Now, here's the two punchlines. How many of you know what a punchline is? Really? <laughs> How many of you know what a punchline is? Okay, all right, okay, okay, here you go. Now, Bob and Mike think that each other are idiots. Bob says, Mike, you're an idiot. How can you think 
that you give 10% of your money away and you're going to have everything you need on the 90% that's left. How do you think you can give away, have less, and do more? How can you possibly think that? That's crazy. Mike says, Bob, you're an idiot. How can you trust math more than God? How, how can you believe that, that God, who, who will meet all our needs in Christ Jesus, won't just get you to be, he'll get you to see? How can you not believe that? God's supernatural work in your life, you're going to completely miss out on in this area because you trust math more than God. All right, now here's the other punchline. Every year, you and I have to decide what kind of idiot we're going to be. The Bible does talk about fools for Christ. I feel badly for people who won't at least try Mike's plan because there is a loneliness to it. I, I, I hope you're smart enough to get from A to B. I hope you work hard enough. I, I hope it works out. I hope you do make it to B. I hope everything your kids need, they get. I hope, I, hope all, I hope all that's true. I want it to be true. But there's a loneliness about it that says, but really you're on your own. But yet on the other hand, there's a great hopefulness. See, the Bible says that God is Jehovah Jireh, which means he is our provider. But I wonder how much provision he gives to people who don't trust him. Who trust math more than God. I don't think God's even obligated to get involved. How can you even ask God for help for a financial need if you don't trust him? But there's a great hopefulness about Mike's plan of going to see. I'm not by myself in this. It's not all up to my smarts or my talent or how hard I work or how much overtime I get or anything else. It's now actually up to God. Now, I'm sharing this with you because God has a plan to bless your house and this house. And that plan is called tithing. Now, I'm sharing that with you at the beginning of the year because it's a great time to decide what you're going to do. Kingwood Church is your home. I want to share a need that we have. Our church needs about a 10% increase in income to do the outreach that we're capable of doing this year, but we don't have the money to do. So uh, let me explain a little another way. All our bills are paid. I'm not saying paid in advance, but I'm saying we pay all our bills on time. We don't need our income to go up to pay our bills. We can go on just as we are and pay our bills and be the church that we are. However, if we're to do the outreach that God wants us to do, we can't afford it. And so what I'm saying to you is, we need a 10% increase in income to do that outreach. It's, um, it's hard as a pastor on a nearly regular basis to see opportunities that our church could do and say, and I know they're God's will to do, but say, no, we can't do that. No, we have to, have to wait. No, we can't do that. And the reason is because we don't have enough money to do it. So I'm presenting the need to you because I can't find another answer in Scripture other than when people tithe, God's house has everything it needs to do what He wants it to do, and your house has everything it needs to do what, what you need to do. That's His plan. So I want to ask you this morning if you would consider taking the tithing challenge. Here's what the tithing challenge is. If you look at your info guide on the back, it's just got two little dots that you can circle, or you can text to the number that's been uh, on the screen above me. You can text there. It's the same identical form, if you want an electronic or paper, either way. And uh, if you'll just fill that out, you can drop it in the welcome, uh, at the Welcome Center in a box there, uh, info guide box, when the service is over. Here's the tithing challenge. If you don't tithe, you say, here's my tithing challenge, I want to start tithing. Fill that out. If you do give, but you don't give 10%, and you say, okay, I want to take that on. I want to increase my giving this year to 10%. Fill that out. Maybe you say, hey, I've been tithing for years, but I hear you, I hear you Pastor, and I, I want our church to be all it can be. I want to, I want to increase my giving above that to help. Put it there. Uh, so there's two dots. One is sign me up for the tithing challenge and monthly update. 
The other one is give, give me the monthly update. So anybody can ask for the monthly update. If you want it, I'll give it to you. Starting next month, if you sign up for that, I'm going to send you an email from me with a simple snapshot way to understand where our finances are as a church, and you can see how your giving affects it. So you can see what our goal is. You can see if we're reaching or not. It's that simple. So I want to encourage you to take the tithing challenge because you need the growth in faith. You need the supernatural work of God in your finances, and, and our church needs the resources to do the outreach God wants us to do. Now, if you're a guest today, uh, you know, Stop playing uh, video games on your phone and zero back in. So I want to share with you in the next few minutes the series that we started uh, last week that we simply call Recommit. Uh, we've been on at least a one-year journey of spiritual renewal that has been powerful. It's been invigorating. It's been refreshing. It's been uh, renewing. And God has done amazing and powerful things. I've been in awe of what God's done. We've seen people who, you know, you may never think would have become Christians who have become Christians and we baptized them. We've seen physical healings and miracles and people refreshed and renewed and restored and it has been incredible. But like a young person who, who goes through a journey of growth, there are different seasons of renewal. And the season that we've been in is one of refreshing and receiving, but the seasons are changing, and in 2017, this season is going to be more about change and sacrifice. And so God is asking us in this leg of the journey, that's why our theme is recommit, will you recommit? Will you recommit to the values and the priorities that makes your faith grow? And let me promise you this. If you will recommit in this season, renewal will explode in the next season. If you will recommit. So what do we recommit to? Last week we talked about recommitting to God's presence and prayer. And boy, we're off to a great start there. Prayer is growing in our church. Uh, the worship times are intensifying. People are doing devotions by themselves, privately with God in, in uh, more and more, more times. And so all those things are powerful. Soak has been wonderful through the last season, and I expect it to only get better. Now today I want to share with you the next recommitment, and that is God is calling us to recommit to the spiritual gifts that he has put inside each one of us. So for the next few minutes, what I want to do is I want to uh, try to explain to you what it took me uh, nearly all my adult life to get my brain around. All, I've been a pastor. I've never had another professional job my whole adult life. I've had a lot of jobs, but not professional job. And it's taken me all these years to wrap my brain around what I want to share with you in the next few minutes so uh, if you have a Bible, we'll turn to 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to take notes, I'd encourage you to do that. If God speaks something to your heart while we're sharing. I want to read out of the New Living Translation because uh, it's simple. And for those of you who aren't familiar with these concepts that are often confusing, I want it to be simple. But for those of you who have read this a lot of times, I wanted you to hear it fresh. So 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says this about spiritual gifts, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So, spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So everybody in the room who says, hey, I know gifted people. Like I know people that can sing and you know they can paint or do graphic design or they're talented or people gather around and celebrate. I know gifted people, but I am not one of those. And I think more people feel that way than not. I want to encourage you today. The Bible says you are. Every Christian in the world, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, has at least one spiritual gift. So let's read on in verse 11. What does the Bible say about these gifts that we all have? It is the one and only Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who distributes all these gifts, he alone decides which gift each person should have. So we don't um, earn them, 
We don't compete for them. There's not a limited number of them, and God's going to run out. So we got to be good little boys and girls so we can get the right ones. Nothing like that. You and I absolutely have no influence in the decision whatsoever. It is a sovereign choice of God that he put his gifts inside of you. He picked which gift. Now, verse 14 through 18 is a little uh, more complicated. It uses a metaphor of the, of the human body, but it's talking about the, the church. The, the church in the Bible is often called the body of Christ because we use this physical uh, individual body to talk about, to understand this invisible thing, reality we call the church. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, here's the key verse, and God has put each part just where he wants it. So God has taken some of his gifts and put them in you because he wanted that gift in you. And he has put that gift in you in Kingwood Church because he wanted that gift in you in this church. Follow? So that's how gifts work. Verse 27. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Now, Ephesians 4, last scripture we'll read, 11 and 12. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So, so God gave every believer a gift, at least one. And he gave these other people in the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, their job is to help everybody find their gift and use it so that the body would be built up and strong. Now, this morning, I, I, I want to ask for your permission to speak freely. Would you give me, now I, I can do this either way. I can either speak freely or I can speak longer. Wh which one would you like? Okay, freely. I thought you would choose that. Good, good, we're on the same page. In, in every church, uh, there's stuff that needs to get done around the church. And we refer to it as volunteering or serving. Now, I want to tell you a secret that's been going on around churches for probably around 200 years. I'm, I'm not really proud of it, but I'm going to tell you how it works. So, not to be confused with this Bob, but we could pretend that this Bob wouldn't tithe, so God punished him and made him become a pastor. I don't know. But we're going to use Pastor Bob, okay? Pastor Bob... Uh, has been in his church for 10 years. I'm going to tell you how this works, for 200 years. And Pastor Bob notices something interesting in the church. Um, every year, uh, people who are serving, you know, go on vacation or, or get sick or um, change jobs or get overcommitted or something changes. They have a life change somewhere. And, and so they, they, they stop serving at the church to take care of that. But, but, he, but he notices over time... Once that thing gets taken care of, they don't come back and serve anymore. And so every fall, usually that happens in the summer, every fall Pastor Bob has a volunteer crisis in the church. And he just doesn't have enough people in the church to do, to do all the things around the church that needs to be done. So um, Pastor Bob's a smart guy, though. He's pastored for a while. He's not a rookie. So he's gearing up because these are, these are chores. These are chores around the church that got to get done. And so Pastor Bob has figured out a way to do it. Come August, he's going to start a new sermon series. It's called Selfless. And so, man, he's going to lay it on. And uh, deep down inside, he's got a title in his mind that he hadn't told anybody else about. It's called Fall Recruitment Wars. So all is fair in war and church. So he's going to take on the church with relentless pursuit. He's going to get those slots filled if it's the last thing he does. So uh, here's week one, opening week of the series. He preaches on the, uh, uh, the scripture that says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And he explains to everyone, serving is a burden. 
There are chores around the church that got to get done, and serving is a burden, and Jesus didn't want to take the cross. He asked if there's any way let this cup pass for me. He didn't want to do it, and you probably don't want to do it, but you got to do it because he did it. Anybody excited? So you got to take your cross up because he took his cross up, and, and there's things around the church nobody wants to do, but they got to get done somehow. And at the end of the sermon, he says, Now how many of you in the room are glad that Jesus carried those burdens for us? Lift your hand. Everybody in the room raises their hand. And before they can get their hand down, he says, Now how many of you want to volunteer to carry that burden here at the church? Thank you. I see that hand. 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 Thank you. And he grabs a couple dozen, right? Snookers them in. And says, Thank you for volunteering. Week two, he doesn't have enough, though, so the series goes on. Week two, he gets a few more volunteers because he just drags the service out so long. You know, people have flights to catch, and they got jobs to do, and, and they got uh, uh, meals to prepare and places to go. And, but he just drags, he just talks and talks and talks. I mean, how many of you have experienced this? He just talks and talks. And so finally they say, if you'll just close the service, I'll volunteer. Is that what it's going to take for us to get out of here? And so he grabs a couple more. And then week three, now he's really ramping up, you know, to the heavy artillery. Week three, he skillfully uses the, the ancient methodology in religion of guilt and shame. And he just slacks it on thick. And he grabs a few more. And then on the final Sunday, he has a few more places to fill. So he ramps up for this last push. And he reads from Fox's Book of Martyrs. And he says, now I'm not asking any of you to have your body sawed in half for Jesus. I'm not asking you to have your body boiled in oil. I'm not asking you to face lions like the ancient Christians did. I'm not even asking you to be crucified like Jesus. I just need somebody to teach the fourth grade Sunday school class. And he's roping them in. And so just at the end of the service, he has everyone stand. And he has little Susie come on stage and he gives her a microphone. She's from the fourth grade class. And he says, Susie, now won't it be lonely down there in your class without a teacher? And, and she says, ah, oh, she doesn't even know what she's doing there. That's Pastor Bob, I guess so. And so Pastor Bob says, now isn't it also true that fourth grade uh, kids that don't have a um, teacher oftentimes end up in drugs and alcohol and abandoned and homeless without jobs? So I don't know, Pastor Bob, I guess so. And so finally there's a business guy in the back. He can't take it anymore. His head's about to blow up. He can't have little Susie's homelessness and drug addiction on his conscience. He says, I'll do it. I'll do it. And the whole church stands and applauds. Oh, thank God. Look how brave this guy is to take on this avenue of serving. Now the problem is this business guy is not a good teacher. In fact, he's terrible. Worse than that, he hates kids. He is just one. He couldn't wait for him to leave home. And here he is stuck again. And now he does volunteer. He does teach the fourth grade class. And he hates it every week. And he hates church. And he doesn't want to be there. And he's frustrated. But everything's good because all the slots are filled till next fall. You see how the cycle goes? And the insanity goes on another year. You would be horrified if you knew how many churches use some version of that plan to get people to volunteer and serve. And, and it's embarrassing. And, and, and it's probably more practice than not. And by God's grace, we work very hard every week to not be a church like that. Now, we don't have it all done, and I wish there always see things I wish we could get to and do better at. But by God's grace, we don't do that. And, and we're trying our best not to do that and not to become that kind of church. So this morning, I'm not going to play any of those Pastor Bob games with you, but I do want to explain... One of the most beautiful concepts in all of Christianity. And it's about the spiritual gifts that God gave you. 1 Corinthians 12.1 says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. Who does that include? Everybody. I do not want you to be uninformed. So quick, quick question. 1 to 10. How informed are you? are you about the gifts God gave you 
And how informed are you about how to use them? One, you don't answer out loud, but one to ten. Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Like a red flag. Hey, 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 everybody wake up. This is a big deal. This is a big deal to Christianity. It's a big deal to your faith. We don't talk about it. I don't know why we don't talk about it nearly enough. I, can't, I, was, I was years into Christian faith before I heard anything about it the first time. But Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed. How uninformed are you? So let's start with what is a spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to you by God to strengthen the church. That's what the scriptures say that I read to you. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to you by God to strengthen the church. Every Christian has at least one gift. Do you know what your gift is? As we find and use the gifts, we realize that God can use us. And every one of us, every one of us, even the person sitting here listening to me thinking, I have nothing to offer. You do have something to offer because the Bible says you have something to offer. And God can use you to do powerful things that bring other people closer to God. And newsflash, when God is using you to bring other people closer to God, at the same time, he brings you closer to God. He doesn't do one without the other. One of the most pivotal and life-changing moments in my life happened when I began to use a spiritual gift God gave me, even though I didn't know what it was. When I was, I, I don't remember, late 15, maybe early 16 uh, years old, I can remember I got this overwhelming feeling, this, this sickening, nauseating feeling that God wanted me to preach. And, and I, I, I thought, I don't, I've never stood in front of anybody in my life. I was never the kid in class that would ask questions. I, would, I didn't do any of that. Hated to go to the board, hated to do stuff up front, didn't want to do none of that. And, and, I, and it was, it just, I literally thought I was going to die. I thought I, was, I thought I was going to kill me. I thought I was going to crack in half and just blow up. Springs and bolts would come popping out. And, and I didn't know what to do. So, so I remember sitting by the phone and staring at it. Remember we used to have one phone? Remember that? There's a little table, a little phone. You Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. The one phone, the cord that would get all wadded up, you know. I'd stare at that phone because I knew I needed to call uh, the pastor of the church I went to and talk to him. And he put his number in the bulletin. We had a little church. It was about 35 people. And he put it in the bulletin. And I knew I needed to call and talk to him. And I would sweat by that phone. Oh, God, I can't call him. God, please change your mind. Do something. Leave me alone. Forget, forget I'm here. You know, something. Let me die. And finally, I broke down and called him. I said, hey, Hey, Pastor, and he said, Hey, how are you doing? Didn't expect to hear from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I said, um, Hey, uh, you know, uh, crazy thing. Um, I just had this idea that uh, God wanted me to preach, and so I just wondered if I could preach this Sunday. <laughs> you know, I might as well just go all in while you're there. <laughs> and so he said, Sure. And I went, Really? You're supposed to help. This isn't helping. I, I, I'm telling you in my heart. In my heart, I'm not lying to you. I said, I'm going to call it. He's going to say no, and I'm off the hook with God. It's over. And he said, yes. And I thought, I don't know how much insanity you have to have to say yes to a guy like me. I didn't see me doing that. And so I got there Sunday. and I, Look, I wasn't even hardly reading the Bible at that time. Just knew I was supposed to, and I didn't know why. I was sweating and dying, and I, oh, Sunday was coming. Oh, I was so sick. And I got there to the church Sunday, and I didn't tell anybody because I was hoping if you don't say it out loud, it's not real. You know what I mean? I'm not in Kansas. Kansas okay, that kind of thing. Tip your heels together. So I got there Sunday, and I was sitting next to my mom, and it just dawns on me I don't know how to keep up with time. Like, I still like struggle. I don't know how to keep up with time, and so. Um, we didn't have clocks in church back then. I think it was unspiritual. So, uh, so, so I asked my mom, I said, can I borrow your watch? She said, right in the, oh, okay. So she hands me over. And I got this little gold, dainty women's bracelet watch. And I put it on my arm. And she's thinking, okay, we, we have other problems now. And, and so I'm sitting there beside her. 
And you should have seen her face, because I wouldn't look at anybody. I was looking like this, you know what I mean? Hoping it would go away if I didn't make eye contact. And our pastor stood up and he said, hey, somebody called me this week and uh, wants to preach a sermon today, so I'm going to let him preach a sermon, so Jay's going to come now and preach a sermon. And my mom turned and looked at me, and her chin went down to her feet, and she looked at me, and I thought she was going to die. And I just kind of walked away, well, okay, I'm going to preach, you know. And so I got up there and preached, and, uh, and I, look, people tell, I don't honestly know how it went. I have no, it was an out-of-body experience for me. I don't know if it was good or bad. I don't know what happened. All I know is when it was over, I thought, check, I'm done I did it. Get off my back. I'll never have to do it again. <laughs> Is that not the biggest joke in the universe? Like, I'm sort of stuck doing that. So, uh, I thought I'll never have to do that again. And, and a few months later, I don't know, I don't remember how it happened. Somebody asked me, maybe I asked again, I don't remember. But uh, I was going to speak in chapel at our high school. And I was uh, the first student, as far as I know, the only student in our school's history that ever spoke in chapel. And so I got up that day. It was a little bit different. I started reading the Bible a little more, thankfully, you know. Uh, it's a pretty good source if you're going to be preaching. And so um, I started sharing. And, uh, and, and at, the end of the, um, at the end of the sermon, um, I invited everybody uh, who, who wanted to be prayed for to come to the front. And, and in my high school, I was about, maybe in about 10th grade, may, maybe 11th. Um, 30 kids stood up. And I thought, really? You must not have heard me. You know, They stood up and came to the front and wanted prayer. And, um, and, and, and this girl that I didn't know that well, she said to me, she said, you know, I have a really bad home life. And I told God this morning I was done. I told him I didn't want to follow him anymore. And it was too hard, and I was done. And God used you today to encourage me. And I'm not done. And I want to keep going, and I want to follow him. And I just wanted to thank you for that. And I, and I thought, wow. You know, I don't know what it was, but as I look back, I realize it was the gift that God put inside of me. And can I just tell you something? There are very few experiences in this world that can match the thrill of God using you to bring someone closer to him. There, look, I've, I've been fortunate to do a lot of adventurous things. And can I tell you, there's no entertainment, and there's no concert, and there's no sporting event, and there's no adventure, there's no vacation, there's no nothing that could compare to God using you to know that you are an instrument in the hand of God to bring someone closer to Him. It's supernatural. Look, it's not natural. I knew me. I knew I couldn't do it. It's supernatural. God must be doing it. And it is soul-satisfying. It satisfies your, it is food for your soul like nothing else is. And it's faith building because you say, hey, maybe if God could use me to do that, then maybe he could also use me to you know, do this other thing over here. And if you gain nothing else from what I say today, I want you to know this. God wants you to experience the same thrill I experienced at 16 years old when that gift that he put in me started to come out and bring people closer to him. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for clergy it's not just for people I hadn't even hardly read the Bible ever in my life and I was preaching what do you call that that's the gift of God now he wanted me to read you know it would get better <laughs> it wouldn't be so bad but he wasn't gonna hold the gift back the gift was coming out and God has given you a gift. So pastor's jobs are to inspire you and to encourage you and to teach you how to find the gift God gave you and how to use it. That's what our job is. So let me give you an example of how, how this works. Last fall, um, uh, Kayla, who's the leader of our 20-something ministry, and some of the leaders came to me and said, hey, we want to do a retreat for the 20s, what do you think? Oh, okay, I mean, sure, I, 
I hadn't thought about it. Sure, I think it sounds like a good idea. I said, I only ask for two things. One is, um, show me the schedule so I can know what you guys are doing. And make sure you build a schedule in such a way that God can work. Okay, so there needs to be fun, you know, some space to build relationships, need to have good food, um, you, you, need to, you need to have some relationship building time, and you need to have some spiritual direction. There needs to be some time for prayer and worship and, and devotion. She said, great. And, and so I said, now look, no pastors are there. You're on your own. <laughs> you, you, wanted, you wanted to do it? You guys go do it. I think it's a good idea. You go with our blessing. You know, go work it out. Now, I, 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 what I want to do um, is, is I, I, I just want to show you, um, I want to show you in just a minute a clip from that retreat. But, but I want to, how, how many 20s do we have in the room that, are, that were on that retreat? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to tell, tell everybody if I'm telling the truth. When those 20s got back from that retreat, they said to me, at least 15 of them, of the 30 or 40 that went, said to me, it was one of the most life-changing experiences of my life, and I'll never forget it. Am I, overst am I overstating it? Is that, that's true. Okay. What I want to do is I just want to show you a little clip. Uh, go ahead and play the clip of them. Isn't, isn't there something, there's a sweet spirit about that, isn't it? Isn't that sweet? When they got back, I talked to every leader. And I said, now tell me how it went. And they said it differently, but they all said the same thing. Here's what they said. We didn't know that God could use us like that. Now remember, there's no pastor there, it's just them. It's you're on your own. And they came back and said, we didn't know that God could use us like that. I wonder how many of you don't know that God can use you like that. He can. He wants to. He longs to. Because that's not about doing retreats. That's about people finding their gift and using it. Oh, it could be at a retreat. It could be anywhere. It doesn't have to be in our traditional thinking. 1 Corinthians 12.1, I want to read it one more time as we end. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You have to get your heart around what your spiritual gift is because you will miss way too much if you don't. You will miss so much. You have to get your heart around it. So here's the, the question I think God is asking us as a church for this year. Will you recommit to the gifts He put in you? And will you use them to strengthen the church? That's the question. So I, I want to just share with you for a minute the best way I know that we can, so pastor's jobs are to help you find and use your gift. On the back of the info guide is a way you can sign up for live streams, and I just want to put on the screen what live streams is. Live streams is four classes. We run them, you know, five or six times a year. We're going to run all four classes once in February, once in March. Here's what they are. 
How to Connect with Jesus Family. Class 2 is Encounter. How to Grow Closer to God. Class 3 is How to Find Your Spiritual Gifts. Class 4 is How to Share Your Faith. So I'm not saying it's... A, it's I'm not saying we don't want to keep getting better. I'm saying this is the best way we have to help you find your gifts and use them. So if you want to be a part of either February's or March's live streams class, I want you just to circle the dot, color it in, the same thing, tear it off, put it in the Welcome Center box on your way home today. Make sure you give us your email because we can email you and say, hey, don't forget this Sunday is live streams. It meets at 10.30, Sunday morning, four weeks in a row, and that's it. That's the best way we have to help you. Um, so that's a way that you can get involved. Now, as we close today, I just want to say this to you. I know, I know, because I live like a real life, I'm a real person, and I have real struggles. And so I know sometimes it feels like church and, and serving with your gifts to build the church can feel like another really important responsibility mixed in with a lot of other really important responsibilities. But it's not. Serving with your gift to build Christ's family is not like coaching your kid's sports team. It's not like, you know, volunteering at the local school. It's not like being a teen mom. Because all those things are temporary and none of those are eternal. The church is eternal. And God's work is eternal. And when you use your gift to strengthen His church, you touch the eternal. And it's not like everything else. Look, I... I live a very, I live a very complicated life. Uh, the greatest challenge I face every day of my life is physical and mental and emotional fatigue, exhaustion. I have all the compassion in the world for those of you who say, you don't know my life. I have all these circumstances. And you say, you don't know them. I don't know. I don't know them. And I'll say to you, I don't know them. But I will say, most of you don't have a busier life than I do. And I want to encourage you from 1 Corinthians 12, don't stay uninformed about your gifts. You don't have to come to live streams to do it. You can go online. There's a million resources. You can find it if you want to find it. But what I'm saying to you is, don't stay uninformed about your gifts they are eternal. You will use them on earth and you will use those same gifts in heaven. Why not get good practice? So I just want to encourage you. Touch the eternal and watch. Look, can you imagine if every person at Kingwood Church found their spiritual gift and used it? It would set your heart on fire and it would set this church on fire and it would be a force for good that would rock not only this church it would rock this county because God can use you and wants to would you stand with me this morning every eye closed I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you this morning give me two minutes and we're out I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come right now. And I simply want to do this. If today your heart is stirred and you say, man, God is doing something. I know what it feels like for God to be doing something in my life and not know how to define it. I, I, know, what that, I, know, I know what that is. I've had that. And if you have it today, when I, when I say the prayer and dismiss, I want you to come. The worship team will sing, and I want you to come and let someone pray with you. If, if you say, God's not done, I feel this work happening inside my life, and God's not done, then I want to encourage you, don't leave. Don't leave. If you want to just sit down and sit there and put your head on the pew and pray for a few minutes. 
I'm telling you, it's important. It's more important than you think. Don't leave till God's finished doing whatever it is He's doing in your heart. Let Him finish. And, and, and maybe some of you tonight at Soak, when we come and pray, maybe He'll continue that work. I don't know. But if you are stirred in your heart, as we pray, I want you to come and let one of the prayer team just, just agree with you and pray for you, pray with you. If God's not done, I just want you to stay when everybody else leaves and just sit there with God for a few minutes. Let Him finish. Lord, I thank you today for the grace of God and I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to our soul and through our soul. You desire so much goodness in our life. You want to use us and you've chosen us and you've picked us. And today, Lord, we're overwhelmed with gratitude because you did. God set this church on fire with your gifts. Set this, set every heart on fire. Help us to know what you made us to do. And may we do it with all our hearts. If you're stirred this morning, I want you to come right now and let one of the prayer team pray with you. If you need to be dismissed, you can be dismissed. If you want to stay and let God talk to you a little more, I want to encourage you to do that as the worship team plays. God bless you. Good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are.